Hello, and welcome to the Thinking Elixir podcast, where we cover the news of the community and learn from each other. My name is Mark Erickson. I'm Cade Ward. And I'm David Bernheisel. Let's jump into the news. We're starting off with a whole bunch of machine learning related things, and we want to kick that off with Chris McCord, where he recorded a video showing how quickly we can get audio transcriptions into a website that we have. And so he took a website that he had built, which is open source. It's called Live Beats. So if you haven't seen Live Beats, I got a link in the show notes to a blog post and the GitHub repo. But Live Beats is an open source distributed clustered application where you can upload music files, create playlists, and as you play, Others can follow along and listen kind of real-time as the playlist is going. In his video, he wanted to show how to add real-time transcriptions to something like Live Beats, where he already had MP3s in there, which is perfect. So he did an episode of the Thinking Elixir podcast, our show, yay, and he pulls it in there, and then he shows how it starts doing real-time audio transcription with time signatures, and it just starts flowing in. And it was all done asynchronously and everything. It's super cool. And it walked through how to actually have the transcription data be updated to an embedded field on the model. It's actually written to the database. So then after it's transcribed, you're not like retranscribing every time you play it. But it was really cool. And really what I loved about this is he connected some dots that previously I was just not getting. And that was when I would try to do a transcription, it would just stop after, I don't know, the first 20 seconds or so of the audio. And it's because you have to chunk the audio file. And I was all like, well, I'm not sure how to do that. And so he actually does it. He, he shows how to chunk it with FFmpeg. And he chunks it into something like 20 second chunks. And then just it just worked, you know, not even having to worry about like word boundaries or anything like that. It's just working. And he's not even using GPU acceleration to do this. It's just CPU based. But it's like super cool, right? They're like There are no third party APIs to call out to, no background jobs to kick off, no JavaScript to write. The only external dependency is FFmpeg. And it's like, you can add speech to text transcription. So he demoed it with a podcast episode where it's all speaking, but then he even pulls in a song and he does it with a song too. And you see, oh wow, it works even with music backing in there. It's very cool. So definitely worth checking out if you have any interest at all in how that stuff works. So it's uh, have a link in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. He tied in a lot of practices there. It was really, it was really cool to see. I'm seeing one major problem with it, though. If you look at the transcription, my name comes off as Kate. Yes, it's true. <laughs> That's illegal. <laughs> Keeping up with the ML topic, Hans Josefsson did a live coding presentation at the Warsaw Meetup. He showed using object detection in Elixir with Axon in Livebook. So that's a really exciting thing to see how easily powerful features can be added to the application. There's no external language or service needed. So we'll drop a link to that YouTube video if you're interested in giving that a watch. Yeah, it's really cool. It does object detection. He, he did this all live coding in Livebook with a camera that faced out into the audience. And it was like identifying the cup on the podium and the laptop and the people, not all the people, but the people. And so he's explaining all of that. But it's like, wow, that's really cool. Well, if you ever thought about talking to a computer, conversation models are the backbone of creating something like a customer service bot. So I'm sure you guys have all seen this. You go to a website, you hear the little at the bottom right, uh, you see the little customer service icon and somebody wants to talk to you. Most likely those are uh, bots and this is that conversational model kind of bot. 
So here's the bit of news is that conversation models like this are coming soon to Livebook and Bumblebee. So we're excited to see what comes out of this. We've got a link to the the screenshot that they shared. And the example is, if you if you say, what is love? <laughs> the, the bot responded with, baby, don't hurt me. <laughs> I love it. So it's been trained on some uh, classical art there. That's, that's, uh, that's pretty great. <laughs> what would be interesting is seeing how difficult or easy it is to give it additional training sets, you know, but using that same model structure so that you can still plug it in. I would be interested in <laughs> conversing with a large learning model that is exclusively trained on musical lyrics because <laughs> that would just be very entertaining and puzzling. I don't know if you guys have ever like paused and listened to the lyrics of some songs, but some of them are just absolute nonsense. <laughs> so it'd be, it'd be great. And rounding out our little break into ML news, there's a Python ML book titled Programming Machine Learning, and it's by P. Parota. What was really cool is that Jin Lennon went through and created all of those examples that were written actually as Jupyter notebooks in Python, but he wrote them as live books. And he also shared the whole collection of those live books on GitHub. So we have a link to that in the show notes. Apparently, Andrea and Jin and others have really enjoyed the book. So this is really cool that, hey, if you want to follow along the book and you want to have a, a an Elixir examples to be able to, to look at and not have to figure out yourself, it's really cool as a resource. And he notes that, he could replace all the different Jupyter books in Elixir with Livebook, NX, and Axon, except for one example that used a very specific feature that's not supported in Axon out of the box. But very cool resource. Just appreciate that being shared. All right, that rounds out our machine learning segment of the news. So moving on to what a day in the life of a Phoenix Core contributor might look like. And today's contributor is Chris McCord. He wrote another blog post about his journey to diagnose a fix. It was a challenging race condition in LiveView, but only when using the long pole feature. So uh, anyone out there that's that's using long pole, you'll probably want to read this one and upgrade Phoenix LiveView. <laughs> <laughs> the bug has existed for like eight years. It's an interesting read uh, to give you an insight of what uh, you know being an open source maintainer is like what it's like to go deep inside of Phoenix. And you can probably appreciate that this bug didn't happen to you because I think a majority of folks using LiveView probably don't use the long pole feature of it. That's that's a feature you have to uh, opt into. The short version of the article is that they couldn't guarantee the way that it was made at first, they couldn't guarantee the order of uh, messages being passed back to the back end. And so some things came in out of order. That doesn't bode well. <laughs> So this was uh, Chris describing finding that bug and not so much implementing a fix, but the fixes is that now there is going to be on the JavaScript side, a queue to send messages to the back end. So that way order can be guaranteed. All a wonderful read. You should go check it out. Fly.io. It's a great place to run Elixir apps with many global regions, a private network that makes it easy to cluster your app and a powerful CLI. It's something you should really try out. Experience it for yourself at fly.io. Well, next up, you've probably heard of all the fun Docker drama that has been unfolding lately. You might have heard that they've changed their policy and they've given certain individuals as little as 30 days to get lost and move <laughs> to somewhere else or pay up. We still don't know everything that's going to happen here, but we just wanted to mention that the Hex team said, and I quote, the Elixir and Erling Docker images 
the Hex team provides are not affected by the upcoming free team changes that Docker is making and will continue working after April 13th, end quote. So that's good news. Nothing's going to happen there. Haven't heard anything from Livebook at the time of this recording, but hopefully everything will be fine there too. Yeah, and I think the biggest bungle with this whole drama is just that the messaging was really bad. So I'll also have a link to the, uh, the latest Docker blog post dated March 16th, where they say, gosh, you know, we apologize. We did a really terrible job of announcing this because it just caused so much confusion. By the time you hear this, there'll be more information, more clarity. So we don't want to get too much into the detail in the weeds. I know that uh, for a lot of teams, a lot of individuals, you're using a lot of stuff that's not even Elixir. You've got a lot other projects you've you're pulling in with Docker, so it may be impacting you in other ways. But uh, we'll just let you know if there's anything else that we figure out and comes out over time that we'll be sure to share that. It'll have an impact on home lab kind of users as well, anyone that's using Docker images on their home lab. The age-old battle of doing a lot of hosting and bandwidth sharing and all that kind of stuff with open source maintainers, you know, folks that, that, that generally don't have, you know, corporate backing. Like stuff costs money, so it's got to come somewhere. So they they had to make some hard decisions here, and uh, oh well, we'll we'll see how it rolls out. Well, you can understand where some of the motivation comes from, right? Because like Docker's been hosting terabytes of images with Docker Hub, yeah, not making any money on most of that, or at least a, a large chunk of it. It seems. I think on uh, April twelfth, I'm just going to log in and update all of my uh, all my stuff. You know, all my Unraid images and. Just hope for the best after that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there you go. And next up, Andrea Leopardi added a minor feature to Elixir that lets us add the since metadata attribute to a module. And what that does is adding to the module, propagate it automatically down to all of the functions, types, and callbacks defined in the module. So really, it's a minor quality of life improvement, but it's really intended for library authors. But I just wanted to say, I love that little since metadata that gets added because it gets generated into the docs. And lots of times I'll, I'll be working and I'm looking in the docs and because we have excellent docs and hex docs, right? They're awesome. And I'm looking at the docs and I'm reading something. It's like, oh, I didn't even know about this function. This is really cool. And then I can look at that since and then I'm, all, I'm always like embarrassed to see like, oh, that's been there since 2015 and I just didn't know. It's fun. I still think it's a cool feature. I love that it shows up in the docs. All right, next up, uh, MassDriver published a blog post about speeding up Dialyzer in CI. Everyone knows Dialyzer's slow, so how can we egg out some performance here? So we got a link to the full blog post, but here are some key takeaways from it. The issue is that when CI fails on any step, the cache probably isn't saving those PLT files, which is all the, all the work that Dialyzer's, you know, building about functions. It only saves it on successful runs. There's a part of the issue there, right? So takeaways is don't key off of the mix.lock file because Dialyzer can work off of old dependencies too. So you don't have to invalidate that cache when dependencies upgrade, for example. It'll update it. You know, it, it, it'll have to catch up a little bit, but it doesn't have to completely start from scratch. And then also the default GitHub cache action, which everyone's probably using, will only save the cache if all the jobs succeeded, as I mentioned before. So instead, use the actions slash cache slash save action and the actions cache restore action instead of the higher level one that everyone's using. So that lets you be a little bit more specific. It goes like at this step, go ahead and save it regardless of, you know, it being a failure. So if that step ever completes, save it. So that way 
when you find out that your your tests actually don't pass, <laughs> the you push your new commit up and start over, sucker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now it'll actually use the the previous runs dialyzer. I've always noticed that myself. Every branch that you that I open seems like it has to do the whole dialyzer thing again, and then bug after bug after bug, and then finally I get a good clean run. Good blog post. Go check that out for details. Yeah, I liked reading through that. I thought this is good to use for a lot of things. Like if everything compiles and then a test fails, like keep the compilation cached as well. Like just all of this, the dependency is everything, right? Like that would speed up a lot of stuff. So moving on, Credo got a big update, 1.7.0. A couple of highlights here. There's a few things. We won't read them all out though. Now you can run on multiple files, which helps you enable workflows like only checking files that change since the last commit. They're supporting the serif format now, which I had no idea what that was. So I looked it up and static analysis results interchange format seems important, (laughs) but (laughs) enables better compatibility with GitHub CI workflows. Then there's some other improvements like the module doc check will ignore Phoenix views and live views. There's a, you know, missed metadata key in logger config. These are really hard to read. They're so long, never seen a module so long. It warns you if your log in a metadata key is not being logged, which, you know, that's got me before. Anyways, if you've generated your Credo config, now would be a good time to upgrade and regenerate that config. It's a cool library. Well, that's everything for today. Thank you for listening. We hope you'll join us next time on Thinking Elixir. (laughs) 